They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Hello, and welcome to Podcast 10. This week, as I said in my previous show of Anaru, we're in Peru to meet Dantel and his brother Emilio. Dantel, along with Emilio, live in Arequipa, Peru's second largest city after the capital, Lima. The, the city has a population of just over a, a million people. And like a, a number of Peru's bigger cities, it sits very close to a major fault line. And those fault lines, well, they make up part of the Pacific Ring of Fire that circles the Pacific Basin. This year alone, Arequipa has had 51 earthquakes that could be felt, but lots more quakes go unnoticed by the general public. Maybe just a slight rattling of plates or glasses in a cupboard, or a picture on a wall slightly off kilter. But then you get the big one that devastates the region. The one that draws the attention of the world media. And the last time that happened in Arequipa was in January 2018, when an earthquake with a magnitude of 7.1 on the Richter scale struck. And that was quite a devastating earthquake for Peru. Peru is, how shall I say, a poor country. And a lot of its old buildings are not built to withstand a major earthquake. Thus, they crumble very easily. Nowadays, the modern buildings that are constructed, well, they're constructed in such a fashion so as to hold out against a major earthquake. So the modern buildings are quite safe, but it's the old buildings that just crumble when the earthquakes strike. Arequipa itself sits around 7,000 feet above sea level, nestled in the Andes. And as I said in my description, it's framed by three volcanoes, the largest being El Misti, standing at just shy of 6,000 metres. It's an active volcano, and on occasions you can actually see smoke billowing up into the sky from its crater. Uh, a view that Dantel and Emilio would see every day. And probably like most locals do, simply take it for granted. Unless, of course, it starts to spew molten lava down its slopes. Can you imagine being so close to an erupting volcano? I don't know. How would I react? Be excited watching the spectacle 
or go into a blind panic. Possibly a bit of both. Guys, go and have a look on Google Earth at Arequipa. And coming to think about it, have a look at Peru as a whole. As I said in my description, this is an invigorating, high energy and at times sensitive story aimed at the 9 to 11 year olds. Well guys, do you want to hear a short clip of the story? I think that would be a good idea, don't you? So, sit back. In that comfy chair I tell you every week to sit in and listen as I take you to Peru. Dantel's Peru. And as usual, I have a couple of questions for you to ponder over at the end of the podcast. Here comes Dantel. Sit back, everybody. Here's the story. The orphanage in Arequipa was situated in the back streets. El Misti, the dormant volcano that dominated the skyline of Peru's second city, was visible from Dantel's room. The white, snow-capped peak dazzled against the clear azure blue sky. A normal summer's day for a city high in the Peruvian Andes. Dantel knocked on Emilia's door. He was surprised when his brother didn't answer and merely assumed that he had left early to play football as there was no school today with it being Saturday. The two brothers were very different in character. Dantel was the academic while Emilio was more of a sporty nature. The orphanage was unusually quiet for this time in the morning and Dantel couldn't understand why. Nevertheless, he went back to his room to continue with his reading. He glanced at the photograph of his parents, which he kept on top of a small locker in the corner of his room. He distinctly remembered the day five years ago when two heavily armed men in full riot gear from the local policia banged on their front door. With them was a small figure of a lady dressed as a nun. This was the first time he and Amelia met Mother Anastasia, whom they always referred to as Mother A, from that day onwards. She sat them down and explained that their parents were involved with one of the street drug cartels and that there had been a skirmish in a nearby village with the Drug Enforcement Agency from Lima. The outcome was that their parents had been shot and had died of their injuries. They had been left orphans. The orphanage, run by Mother A, had 12 children in it, all there as a result of the impact of parents or close relatives losing their lives as a result of drug-related issues. Dantel texted his brother. Where are you? Did you feel that tremor? Stop worrying, Dantel. We often get the shakes. We live in an earthquake zone, man. See you back at lunch. Better still, come down to watch me play. Use your place. Get some money from Mother A. Then we can go to the cafe down by the monastery for lunch. Emilio. Dantel knew precisely which cafe Emilia was referring to. 
They often went there after school to catch up with friends. The cafe was next to the Santa Catalina Monastery on Ugati. If he ran, he'd be there in 20 minutes, cutting through the back streets and along the Rio Chile, which shortened the journey. As he ran towards the Punta Bajo Garage Bridge that spanned the Rio Chile, the main river that flowed through Arequipa, his phone rang. It was Mayo, one of the older children from the home. Where are you, Dantor? Mother A is panicking. Social media websites and the local radio stations are warning people to leave the city because the tremors the city has experienced over the past few days are getting stronger. Where is Emilio? He's with his football friends in the derelict yard next to the petrol station at La Marine. Mother A says both of you to get back here now. She's packing the minibus in readiness to evacuate. Okay, Mayo, we'll be there shortly. Dantel knew the drill as to what to do when an earthquake struck. Head to a door or dash under the table or bed. Whatever would break the fall of tumbling masonry. He also knew Amelia knew the procedure. The school and Mother A had taught them that the newly constructed buildings were safer as they had been designed to withstand the forces of a major earthquake. But the older, more traditional properties would collapse. Both of them knew the earthquake itself was not the main killer, but being crushed to death by old, poorly built houses was. The earthquake struck at 11.01am. Dantel reached for the street lamp and clung to it with all his physical strength. The ground to his left opened up and the noise of the land splitting apart was deafening. He could hear people screaming. Glass was showering down from upstairs windows. Underground water pipes cracked, spilling water and sewage everywhere. Gas pipes exploded. He watched the bridge that he was about to cross bend and twist until it finally snapped, sending cars and people downriver. The old buildings crumpled with ease, spilling their contents onto the surrounding streets. He could see people being buried alive under the falling brick and stonework that tumbled from the heavens. The street lamp he so desperately hung onto swayed violently as the ground continued ripping itself apart. An old wooden window frame struck him on the back of his head. The bang on the head caused Dantel to black out. He felt himself falling. As he fell, he must have hit his head on a hard stone, for when he woke up slightly dazed moments later, he saw blood on his jacket sleeve where his head had come to rest. Dantel fumbled around the pavement looking for his phone. Still feeling light-headed, he got to his feet and saw his phone a few paces ahead. He reached down to pick it up. Amazed it still worked. The time was 11.07am. Looking around, the level of destruction was beyond belief. Six minutes ago, everything was in perfect working order, but now all he could see was carnage. The last six months felt like an eternity, but the ground had, for now, fallen silent. The aftershocks would come shortly, as they always did, and they would be as strong as the original quake. For now, Dantel had to 
somehow find his ten-year-old brother in all this chaos. So, now if you want to know more about the background of the story and how it came about, then stay listening for a few more minutes. Why did I write the story? Well, I wanted to create a character that touched on the issue many children face in the world today, especially in South America. And that is kids living with the consequences of the loss of their parents as a result of their parents being embroiled, tangled up with drugs, and how they end up orphaned, and what that means to them. Plus, I also wanted to bring to life a character. A kid's character that dealt with the repercussions of an earthquake. So, I created Dantel and placed him in Arequipa, Peru, a place I'd been to. So, putting a character there fitted the bill perfectly for the story. How did the story come about? Ah, now that's interesting. Well, it all stems back to my visit to Peru in 2004, especially to Arequipa on the 26th of December, which, as I pointed out in the video, was quite a poignant day for the world. It was, of course, the day of the Boxing Day tsunami that took place off the Indonesian coastline in the Indian Ocean. The final death toll from this catastrophic event has put at over a quarter of a million people. And again, as I say in my video, as I was watching the tsunami event unfold on the TV in the hotel reception, the ground under our feet started to shake. Um, and we all started to think, was this a building up to an earthquake? The locals didn't appear to be too bothered. They just shrugged it off as an everyday occurrence. And, and, and they went about their, their daily activities. But for us so-called tourists, it was, how shall I say, a little concerning. And I began to think, what must it be like to experience a full-blown earthquake? So, when I was looking to place Danton, I remembered that day. But equally, I remembered the stunning views of El Misti, the active volcano, and seeing the whispers of smoke that came from the heart of the crater, rising high into the sky. And I remembered, thinking, Oh, wow, I hope that's not going to erupt while I was here. Now, for those of you that are smart enough, you would have picked up that I said in the story it was a dormant volcano, and here I'm saying it's an active volcano. Well, to be precise, it's more of an active volcano. And, of course, I also knew that Peru had an endemic drug problem. Uh, our local tour guide sometimes touched on this matter and how it ruined the lives not only of those involved but the kids that were left behind to pick up the pieces. So I placed Dantul and his brother in Peru and more precisely Arequipa. I could have given the storyline to Anaru. Um, in New Zealand, or one in Chile. 
as both of them live in active earthquake territories. But I had other storylines for those two characters. So, Dantel got to cover this story. And that's how the story came about. Easy when you know how, isn't it, kids? And unfortunately, the, the countries around Peru, both Colombia and uh, Bolivia, also suffer from the same uh, consequences of drug-related issues and kids being orphaned and left behind. It's very unfortunate, but, but it happens. So this is why I, as I said, I really wanted to write this story to emphasise this, but also to talk about the earthquake. And Dantel was the perfect character to do it. Questions? Think about these kids. How would you react if you found yourself in the middle of an earthquake or a volcanic eruption? Another question. With an earthquake, what causes the most damage? The initial shake or the aftershocks? Again, with a volcano, is it the sweeping molten lava that kills more people or the highly toxic gases that come with it? And finally, on a totally different note, name the bear character that came from Peru. A hint for you all is he's named after a famous railway station in London. So go and look up the railway stations in London. Kids, big or small, and even the adult kids. For we all know we adults are just big kids at heart. Go on Google Earth or any other map app. Have a look at Peru. Type in El Misti and let Google Earth take you right into the heart of the volcanic crater itself. Peru is a fascinating place. You have the, the Amazon jungle in the north around Iquitos, the rainforest down towards the central part of Peru, the Andes mountains, and the high plateaus in the south. And then you also have the start of the desert. That is the Atacama Desert. The capital Lima is on the coast at sea level. But then you can go to places like Yuliaca or Puno near Lake Titicaca, near the Bolivian border, and there you'll find yourself up at 12 to 30,000 feet above sea level. Peru Kids has such a varied topography, along with varying climates, the heat of the desert to the freezing temperatures of the high Andes, and then the somewhat intense rainfalls of the Amazon. It truly is a place of huge variations, but a place well worth going to see. And that's why I put a character there, because I wanted to talk to kids all about Peru. Now, kids, you should have 10 stickers on your world map that you have in your bedroom as you follow the characters as 
you transcend the globe. Next week in podcast 11, I'm going to take you to Brazil. Rio de Janeiro to be precise. More commonly known as Simply Rio. Here we'll meet Gia and Kaihai. And they're going to talk to you all about the Paralympic Games that took place in their home city of Rio back in 2016. This is a fantastic story. So wait till you hear the next podcast, guys. Well, this leaves me, as I say every week. This is JT Crowley signing off. So wherever you are watching or listening the video, watching the video, listening, whatever you're doing, guys, in the world, stay safe. But have fun, just like my characters. See you in Brazil next week. Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.